0: Right, today, uh, I want to talk about one of God's welfare programs, uh, which we find in, in Leviticus 19 and also in Deuteronomy 24. And I'll have that on the next slide, those readings. It's always good to find a principle in two different places in the Bible. It means that we don't just have to do with an incidental or, or something that is just cultural, but as in this case, that we have to do with a principle that God has established for his people to follow, whereby they would take care of the less fortunate people in their communities. So let's just read those few verses. Uh, First Leviticus 19 and verse 9 and 10. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and alien. I am the Lord your God. And then Deuteronomy 24, verse 19, a few verses, uh, basically the same, but uh, it, it's good to repeat that. When you are harvesting your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands when you beat the olives from the from your trees do not go over the branches a second time leave what remains for the alien and fatherless and win the widow when you harvest the grapes of your vineyard do not go over the vines again leave what remains to for the alien the fatherless uh, and the widow we can blank that now because uh, Now, Israel was largely an agricultural society. And the principle of gleaning was established, God established for the poor to supply food for them. The most well-known example where we see this played out is in the beautiful story of Ruth. Ruth, with her mother-in-law, had returned from the land of Moab. Uh, where they had lost everything. Ironically, Naomi and her husband had fled to Moab uh, to escape the famine in Israel. So Ruth goes out into the fields around Bethlehem, where they lived, to follow the harvesters and, and pick up what was left behind. It would have been a tedious, hot, and backbreaking work Welfare in action, uh, but you had to work for it. It's not a matter of, uh, like, as we have it today, that we can sit at home and the that, that check is in the mail. Now, without being political, I believe that working for the doll is a biblical principle. It's interesting that in our Western world, in our Western culture, so much of what we see in the area of uh, charity comes from biblical principles. The development of charities, of hospitals and orphanages largely have their origin in the Christian church. It was the Christians of the early church who would go out and rescue babies who were abandoned uh, because they were not one wanted. It was the Christians who put themselves in harm's way during epidemics to care for the sick and the dying, and that still happens. And it is a sad reflection on our society that over the last so many years, Volunteer labor has almost disappeared in our Western world. Doing something for the good of the community without getting paid for it. In many parts of Europe, including England and France, the right to glean fields was reserved for the poor. A right that was enforced, enforced by law. Uh, And and even a few hundred years ago, that was still going on in 18th-century England. Gleaning was a uh, a legal right for people who had no no land. As I indicated, Barnabas Fund, Fund Aid started a project last year to respond to the growing food crisis in our world. Especially in pla- places like Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. Think about countries like Sri Lanka, Lebanon, Madagascar, uh, Pakistan, to just uh, mention a few areas, a few countries. With this project, we ask people to buy an extra pack of uh, dried food of four area four types of dried food and box it to send it to us and we collect it and send it to Christians who live in areas where there is food insecurity. Countries where the price of food has skyrocketed so much that it is out of the reach of Christians, of our Christian brothers and sisters. Countries where we as an organization are no longer able to send money because... People who receive money from overseas are looked uh, at suspiciously. Uh, but we can send food. That's the reason behind, one of the reasons behind. Areas where ma- money ca- can't uh, buy food. Now maybe this is not the same, but it's similar and a practical, hands-on way where we can fulfill God's commission which we find in many places in Scripture. For instance, in the book of James, among many other places, where it says that if your brother and sister is hungry, lacking the basic necessity of life, you share with them the good things that God has given to you. In the same way that the farmer of old makes the conscious decision not to go over his field and his vineyard for a second time. In other words, not to scrape the bottom of the barrel for himself. And again, the the great story of Ruth. We find Boaz, the owner of the field where she is gleaning, not only followed the command of the Lord but instructed the laborers to be extra generous. So within this charity framework that God has given the people of Israel, there was ample opportunity to be generous. And Boaz did just that. Boaz was a God-fearing man and he knew that his harvest was God's good gift to him and his family. And so he generously shared that with others. It was an act of grace uh, that reflected the God that he served. God has been generous to us in saving us. We heard that this morning. And restoring us to himself through the redeeming work of Christ on the cross. Furthermore, uh, as it says in Romans 8, He who did not even spare his own son has given us graciously all things. And we need to realize that as God's people. God asks us to be generous with the material things that he has given us. What gleaning really means is to take something that is rightfully ours, that rightfully belongs to us, that we can lay claim on for ourselves and share that with others who are less well-off than we are. And so here we have the Barnabas Fund, the Barnabas Aid principle in action from Christians through Christians to Christians. And Barnabas Aid uh, aims to be a, a channel of hope and aid between you and I and the persecuted church uh, in so many countries. In the same way as Barnabas in the early church, I think it was Acts 11, I think in the early church was instrumental to take the gifts from the church in Antioch uh, and, and take them to support the, the church in Jerusalem where there was a famine. And believe me, food is a major issue at the moment for a variety of reasons. The war in Ukraine is making existing food shortage much, much worse. Countries in Africa rely on a large percentage of their staple food from Russia and from Ukraine. Transport costs. We we all complain when we go and get our petrol. Well. Uh, multiply that in the way of transport costs to get food to uh, countries that are not self-sufficient. Uh, energy costs have risen enormously. Uh, we, we have found that we, we have been donated a, a large amounts of, uh, of uh, food for Ukraine in the United States and Canada. Uh, all we had to do was transport it to Ukraine which in itself was a a, a large amount of money. So, uh, Christians suffer disproportionately. Christians are often the last ones in the queue when it comes to welfare and food distribution. In many cases, food shortages and natural disasters are used as a tool to marginalize Christians. Uh, In some cultures, Christians are blamed for crop failures and droughts. Christians have been blamed for COVID in some countries. One of the main reasons that we believe that our mandate is as it is in Galatians 6 verse 10, to do good to all people, and very often what we do for our Christian communities flows through to others as well. but we believe that uh, God calls us to fill that void that is in so many countries for our Christian brothers and sisters. I just want to make another few footnotes to these, uh, these verses that we read. In this chapter in Leviticus, we find a number of commands for want of a better word, commands that seem to be an extension of the Ten Commandments, kind of a grab bag of commandments. It says, Be holy as God is holy. One of them. Respect for our parents. uh, Not to turn to other gods. In other words, no idol worship. Uh, And we may think try to think that through for the Israelites that meant the gods of the, the people, the people groups around them and their idols. How do we interpret that? What are the idols of the world that we live in? And, and, and to what extent do we allow those idols to infiltrate our lives and our thinking? The Israelites, how do we interpret that? Uh, what are the gods of our time? Honest sacrifices, it talks about. Practical ways to care for the, the poor. Commands uh, about how to interact with other people and, in an honest and just way. Lots of do's and don'ts. Uh, and it's an interesting chapter, these, these two chapters. And I recommend that you read them uh, and study them. It is as if God wants to cross the T's and dot the I's. However, most of all woven through these do's and don'ts, this chapter reminds us of the motivation uh, to live our lives as God's people in a godless and in a hostile world. The Bible doesn't just give us a book of rules, but it gives us the underlying foundation and the motivation for the things that we do and don't do as Christians. Why should we strive to live holy li- and righteous lives in a world that is far from holy and righteous? And it is because, as it says in verse 2 here, be holy because I, the Lord, you, God, am holy. Words that the Apostle Peter quotes verbatim in 1 Peter 1.16. And so we are to reflect God's character in a world that is completely out of touch with God. People around us don't see God. Bible tells us in Romans 1 that their eyes are blinded. We hear things... Uh, in, in the news, in, in, in all sorts of ways, that perhaps even ten years we would have said, that's stupid, that can't be right. And now we see government departments implementing things, changing language and all those things. A- a- and we, we can only conclude with God's word in Romans 1 that their eyes are blind. How can they not see that? People don't see God, but they see us. And the question is, do they see God's character in us? And right through this chapter, there is that motivation, the driving force to live godly lives. Because, as it says here, I am the Lord, your God. Sixteen times in this chapter in Leviticus alone we find this statement I am the Lord your God time and again the people of Israel were reminded about this I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt and to remember who God is and what he has done for us now becomes the motivating the motivation and the motivating force uh, for the way we live the way we do things, whether it is gleaning or whether it's any other way that we live in our world or in any way that we get involved in God's kingdom. Does that make sense? How important it is for us to remember who God is and what he has done for us. That's why we're here. That's why we meet as God's people Together, That's why we share communion. A- and then we go out from here and then we live godly lives to honor him and to reflect his character. So this chapter teaches us how to relate to our God, but equally important, how to relate to others. When you go to Deuteronomy 6, it says... Uh, It starts in the opening statement. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Words that we we know very well. even mentioned that this morning. The same words that Jesus used when he was asked the question about what is the greatest command. That same passage in Deuteronomy says, These commandments I give to you today. They are to be where? In your heart. Of course, they need to be in our heads too. We need to know the Word of God. That's important. But it is only when God's Word is in our hearts that it becomes the motivating force in our lives. And when we go back to Leviticus 19 and in verse 18, it gives us that second command. That Jesus referred to, and that is to love our neighbour as ourselves. Love your neighbour as yourself. Again, I am the Lord. One flows out of the other, and again, there is the connection. The Apostle Paul says it well. Uh, the Apostle John says it well in 1 John 4:19. We love because He first loved us. We are generous as Boaz was because God has been and still is generous to us. Another thing that we can learn from this passage is that God wants us to be his co-workers. God will, wants to work through people like you and me. You know, take the example again of the farmer. You know, he could, see, he could say, this is my, fe- my field, this is my crop, I have worked all year hard for this. Why should I share this with anybody else? Not so long ago, the welfare, welfare was in the purview of the church, where in my view it should be. It was the Christian church that set up welfare agencies because nobody else did. Hospitals and orphanages and some still exist. It makes the Christian church unique among other religions. However, most of our welfare now has been handed to the state. And I believe that the church has lost the vision and the blessing and the joy of being God's co-workers. God has meant us to be stewards of all the things that he has trusted over, uh, uh, entrusted to us. All the things, whether it applies to our personal lives, our resources, our gifts, our time. And God blesses us in the process. I am the Lord your God, it says here. And I want to just close with reading two of those verses again. And it would just wrap that up uh, in, uh, in just those two verses. To just bring that to your mind again. Verse 18 in Deuteronomy 24 it says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. This is why I command you to do this. When you are harvesting your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to it. Leave it for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. And here's the promise so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you how it applies to all of life and how it applies not just on Sunday morning but also to the rough and tumble that so often is our daily lives in a world, Lord, that's turned away and turning away from you. And, Father, we pray and we humbly ask for your grace and your enabling to live our lives to your honour, to be a reflection of who you are uh, in this world. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.